Shavuos, Yamtav of Shavuos, is known by four names. In fact, uh, the Vilna Gon says that it's Rosh Hatevis. The word Shavuos is Rosh Hatevis. It's an acronym for the names by which the Yom Tov is known. Uh, the Shin is Shavuos, obviously. That one's the easy one. Base is Bikurim, Yem HaBikurim, the day of the first fruits. The uh, Ayin is Atzeres, a day of holding back. And the Tov is Torah, Matan Torah. The uh, Shavuos is the celebration of the giving of the Torah at Sinai on the sixth day of Sivan. So, Levi Yitzchak Badechever asks a question. He says, what's the meaning of the name Atzeres? You know, Shavuos means weeks, so that's a simple meaning. Shavuos is the culmination of Seven weeks. When is Shavuos? The mitzvah is count seven weeks and then celebrate Shavuos. So Shavuos, weeks, that name makes sense. It's the culmination of a period of weeks. Bikurim. Yem ha-bikurim. That makes perfect sense because Bikurim, the first fruits, were actually brought Shavuos. So that also, the correlation is very obvious. Tof, Torah, Matan Torah. Like we said, the date of Shavuos and the date of Matan Torah coincide. But what's, what's the meaning of atzeres? What does atzeres mean? Atzeres means just holding back. Uh, it means not doing anything. So how, what's, what's the significance of the name? It's sort of related to the question, a similar question, parallel question, which is every Yom Tov in the Jewish calendar has some sort of special mitzvah. And then when it comes to Shavuos, it doesn't have a special mitzvah. You're going to say, you know, the, the, we eat the, chili, the cheesecake, the milchiks. That's just a custom. It's not a mitzvah. There's no special mitzvah. It's not like Pesach, you have matzah, and Sukkot, you have um, the sukkah and the lulav, and like uh, Rosh Hashanah, you have the shayfar. So, uh, Shavuos, you don't have a special mitzvah that's connected with Shavuos. So why is that? So I, I give it, and, and ask you actually another question, which is... Uh, We'll we'll put all the questions out front at the beginning. Biblical holidays, okay, rabbinically we keep holidays for two days because of Sveka Diyema, because of the the doubt regarding the date, because of the the, uh, sanctification of the moon. But biblically, the holidays are, like uh, like Sukkot, you have... One day, right? One day of Yom Tif. And then it's followed by a whole period of what we call Chol Hamoid. It's, 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 it's uh, not restricted entirely for doing labor, but it's like a week-long period of, of seven days. And then at the end of the seven days, you have another Yom Tif called which is sort of like the, 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 uh, the sandwich for Sukkot. But the point is, you have a Yom Tif, and then it's followed by a whole week of Sukkot. Pesach is the same thing. Pesach, you have one day of Yom Tif, and then you have a whole week, and then at the end of it also, Shvishal Pesach is Yom Tif as well, but you have those, those seven days. Shvuas, you don't have the seven days. Now, it's interesting because in the times of the Besamikdash, when you had to bring a korban on Yom Tif, 
they would allow you seven days from Shavuos to make up the Korban, but it wasn't a Yom Tov for seven days. Not like Pesach, where there's seven days, or, or, or Sukkot, where there's seven days. Shavuos is really just the one day, and then you could make up the Korban, but it's not another, uh, it's not the rest of the week isn't, isn't a Yom Tov. There's no Cholomayd Shavuos, no such concept. So, what's with that? You following all the questions we have? Okay. It sounds good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be good business for the uh, for the zoo or for the aquarium. They could come up with a cholamite shavuos. Okay. So what are we asking here? We're asking. What's the meaning? Shavuos has four names: shavuos, bikurim, atzeres, Torah. Three of the four names are very clear in their meaning. One of the names. What does it mean? The name atzeres, just not doing. We asked, why does Shavuos not have a special mitzvah associated with it? Every other Yom Tov does. And we asked why every other Yom Tov, at least of the Shalosh Golem, has that seven-day thing, and Shavuos is one day. So basically, here's the, here's the answer. This is how it was uh, explained by, by the Rebbe. Shavuos commemorates the chosenness of the Jewish people. You chose us among all the nations. When did that occur? On Shavuos, Matan Torah. Now, when God chose us, what did he choose us for? I know there's the old Shalom Aleichem joke from Fiddler on the Roof where Tevye laments and says, I know that we were chosen, but couldn't you choose somebody else once in a while? <laughs> That's a cynical uh, joke. You know, obviously, yes, we've had our fair share of challenges as a people, but we've also, obviously, the miracle of the Jewish people is how much resilience there, there, there is as well. So chosen for what? What were we chosen for? And, and the truth is, the job description of a Jew is not that we are the ones who daven to Hashem. It's not, yes, we daven. It's not that we're the ones who do mitzvahs for Hashem. Yes, we do mitzvahs. It's not that we learn Torah for Hashem. Yes, we learn Torah, but that's, that's not the job description. The job description of a Jew is a blank check. When Hashem chose us and we chose him, we didn't choose each other because of what we can do for each other. We chose each other because of who we are to each other. If it requires davening, we daven. If it requires learning Torah, we learn Torah. If it requires doing mitzvahs, we do mitzvahs. But the actual nature of the relationship is a blank check. It can't be limited. It can't be boxed in with a description. On Rosh Hashanah, we express the fact that God is our king. 
and we have the coronation ceremony, and we sound the shofar. And on Sukkot, we celebrate the fact that God is our protector, and we, we build the sukkah as a symbol of the shelter that He provide, provided us and continues to provide us. And 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 and, and on Pesach, we celebrate that God is is our, is our redeemer, and we, and we and we eat the matzah as a, as, a, as a commemoration of how He took us out of Egypt before the and so so quickly before the bread even had a chance to rise. At each of these holidays, we, we celebrate another aspect of the relationship, another aspect of who Hashem is to us, and, and conversely, who we are to Him. On Shavuos, we celebrate the relationship itself, the fact that He chose us and we chose Him. There's an old uh, funny poem, how odd, of God to cho- how odd of God to choose the Jews. And the answer is, not so odd the Jews chose God. What do we choose him for? Do we choose him to be our lawgiver, our protector, our redeemer? Yeah, God has done all those things and does all of, the, all of those things for us. But we chose God to be our God. And conversely, he chose us not because of the fact that we learn Torah, we do mitzvahs, or, or, or we daven, or any of the other beautiful things that, that, that we have to offer the relationship. But he chose us. So the other holidays of the year are different aspects of what Hashem offers to the Jewish people, what the Jewish people offer to Hashem. Comes Shavuos, and it's just the relationship itself. The fact that we chose him, he chose us. So that answers all of our questions. Boom, boom, boom. Why is Shavuos also called Atzeres? Atzeres means holding back, doing nothing. Because to do something would be to make it too specific. If we would have a specific thing, then it's like to the exclusion of everything else. That answers our second question. Why Shavuos doesn't have a special mitzvah associated with it? Again, that's the idea. If we would make it one mitzvah, then it would narrow it down and it would just be that thing. And Shavuos is not just one thing. It's everything or anything between Hashem and the Jews that might arise. And it also answers the question why Shavuos is one day and not seven days as we know from counting Sphero, the seven represents the seven emotional aspects. That's the fullness of, of, of the human character, which mirrors the seven emotional spheroids from on high. Um, you know, there's certain times in our relationship or in any relationship where, where we, we put in our chesed or we put in our gvura or we put in our tiferes and, and so on and so forth. And... and these holidays, they're seven days to represent the different facets of the character or the personality that we bring to our relationship with Hashem. Shavuos comes in, it's one day, because it's not any particular facet, it's just the relationship itself. Can't be narrowed down. So in, in a certain way, Shavuos is like the non-yamtiv. It has none of the characteristics that, that, that limit any other Yom Tif. And, and that's because Shavuos, in a certain way, is the foundation of every other Yom Tif. Because if it wouldn't be for what happened on Shavuos, God choosing us and us choosing God, then we wouldn't have any other Yom Tif to, to celebrate. I'll tell you a story. There was a, a businessman, a Jewish businessman. He came from what we call uh, Yekeshe 
Stock. It was a yeke. He came from actually Austria. And he was a survivor. And after the war, he came to Canada, to Montreal. And he ended up being taken in by Lubavitch. Why Lubavitch? Because that's where a war orphan could get an education. He didn't have any Hasidic uh, stock. He didn't have a connection to, to Lubavitch, but that's, where, that's who took him in. And uh, this young man went into business after he left yeshiva, and he went to... Crown Heights, he went to 770 for the high holidays, for Tishrei. And after he was leaving, he knew, being you know, a businessman, that he should leave a donation. That's what you do. So he was leaving 770, and he stopped off at the Rebbe's secretariat to write a check. And he started to think to himself, how much, how big of a check should he write? And, uh, and then he stopped, and he said, you know, I'm not from, uh, you know, a Hasidic background, but, you know, I, I was taught by the Hasidim about what a Rebbe is. And one thing I understand, what they taught me is that a Rebbe knows who I am. The Rebbe knows my, my neshama and knows my purpose in this world. Well, if the Rebbe knows who I am, then the Rebbe knows exactly how much tzedakah that my neshama needs to give. So he left a blank check at the secretariat, and he left. And he, he went back to, to Montreal. So uh, this is at the end of the high holiday season, the end of uh, Tishrei. So a week goes by, two weeks go by, and he was checking to see if the check is going gonna, is gonna to clear. A month goes by, two months go by. Finally, it's Hanukkah, and he gets a call from the Rebbe's secretariat, from Rabbi Kharakov, who was the Rebbe's chief secretary, and... Rabbi Kharakov says, the Rebbe would like to know if it would be okay to fill out the check for $10,000. Now, I think the year was 1963. And so $10,000 would be like, you know, $100,000 today. And this was not a big businessman. He was a young businessman. He was starting out. But... He had made a decision, right? He was going to leave a blank check. And now here, the, 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 he said, let the Rebbe decide. That was his decision he made. The Rebbe should decide. And now he's being told, the Rebbe says $10,000. Would that be okay? So he forced himself to say, yes, it's perfectly fine. And he hung up the phone as quick, quickly as possible before he could talk himself out of it. And then he starts stressing where in the world he does not have $10,000. So he starts thinking, how long does it take for a check from America to clear and to the, the funds have to be in the, in the bank in Canada and how is he going to get it and what type of loans and what type of uh, debts will he have to call in and, and it's, this is a big deal how is he going to get the money and he starts to stress out and uh, the phone rings again and uh, it's Rabbi Kharikov on the line again and Rabbi Kharikov says the Rebbe would like to know one more thing Okay, okay, one more thing. Okay, yes. The Rebbe would like to know if you are doing this, besimcha ubetuv levov, are you doing this with joy and gladness of heart? And the young businessman stopped and he thought, what's the honest answer to this question? 
And he remembered his state of mind when he left the blank check. The state of mind was, you know what, however much tzedakah I need to give, the Rebbe knows, let the Rebbe figure it out. And now here the Rebbe is telling him this is how much tzedakah he needs to give. So it occurred to him, why shouldn't he be elated? He's finding out what he's needed for. To the penny, exactly how much money he's needed for. I mean, wouldn't we all like to be told so clearly our mission in life? So he says, yes, yes, I'm doing it besimcha betuv levav. And uh, with joy, he ran out, scrambled around like a madman, and somehow found funds to cover the check. Check cleared. And that's the end of the story, if you are Hasidic. If you're also American and you want a Hollywood ending, I'll tell you the rest of the story. But you don't need a Hollywood ending, because that's what more do you need from the story? But an American crowd, so I'll give you an American ending, which happens to be a true ending. That year, this young businessman, Joe Felig, went from a small young businessman to a very successful businessman. His business went through the roof. And of course, he attributed it to the tzedakah that he gave to the Rebbe. But that's not the point. That's the Hollywood part of it. The point is that if you fill out an amount in the check, you limit it. If you tell your beloved, here's what I'll do for you, as long as the list may be, you limit it. But if you say to your beloved, I'm yours, I belong to you, and whatever is needed, ask, and you'll have it from me. That's a blank check. Shavuos is our blank check. We wrote a blank check to God, saying we will be to you whatever you need us to be. And he wrote a blank check to us. He will be to us whatever it is that we need him to be. Shavuos is different than every other Yom Tov in that respect. Another way to describe this is Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh means self-sacrifice or self-surrender, giving oneself away. Turning over one's soul. Literally, Mesiris Nefesh means to turn over your soul. But uh, we have to understand what turning over your soul really means. Because a lot of times when we hear that expression, we automatically imagine something akin to martyrdom, something bloody, something uh, violent. And that, that is one form of martyrdom, and there have been holy martyrs through our history who have given their lives in such a manner, not by their own choosing, obviously, against their own choosing, but they are forced in such a, into such situations. And that is one form of turning your soul over to God. But there's another form of turning your soul over to God as well. You know, in 1967, around this very time of year, when the situation in Israel was becoming clearly dire and war 
was clearly impending. The danger was uh, the danger was very real, and miraculously, I guess you might say, many Jews from outside of the land of Israel, Jews from America, from Canada, from Australia, from England, from well-to-do affluent first world countries started getting on planes and flying to Israel at this time of impending danger because they wanted to be part of the war effort. They wanted to support their, 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 their brothers and their sisters in, in, during this dire time. And, and many, many, many of them flew there to Israel and, and they were there during that time of crisis. And then we know the end of the story is that there was a miracle, a very clear miracle, and that the Jewish people were victorious and safe, and in six days, completely um, supernaturally, God revealed his hand, and we were uh, victorious. And then after that, these young people started getting on planes and flying back to their homes in America and Canada and Australia and England. They just went back home. In droves, they just started going back home. And Golda Meir, who was the Secretary of uh, Foreign Affairs at that time, she was not yet, obviously, the uh, Prime Minister until uh, a few years later, but she was Secretary of Foreign Affairs, and it was her place to address this issue. So she said to these young people from abroad who had come to Israel right before the war, and they were all just fleeing and running away after the war, she said to them, I don't understand. In the time of war, you are willing to come here and die with us. In the time of peace, you're not willing to live with us. I think there's something relevant there. There's an insight there. It sounds counterintuitive. How could somebody who's willing to die with you not be willing to live with you? If you're willing to die for the cause, you won't live for the cause? It sounds counterintuitive, but I think there is a logic. The logic is like this. Dying for something, you do once. (laughs) Living for something is for the rest of your life. Which is more demanding? Now, if you think about it, we, I guess human nature I'm talking about here, we tend to automatically give value to the first type of self-surrender, and we tend to minimize or play down the second type. So, for instance, you think about the paradigm of giving your life for the cause, you know, like the soldier who dies on the battlefield. And, you know, every park that you go to, there's some soldier, there's some 
right? Some war hero, some statue of some war hero. This is like the biggest type of hero and the biggest pillar of courage in every society, in every country, every, 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 every nation, who are the people that they look up to as really having given everything for the cause? You know, these types of people, you know, the, 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 the soldier type paradigm, they give their lives. And, 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 and it, yes, obviously that's, that's very moving and, and meaningful. But what about those who quietly live for a cause every day and every moment of their life? You know, if the soldier is one paradigm, what do you call the other paradigm? And I'll suggest to you like this. The difference between the first type of sacrifice, the soldier's type of sacrifice, which is spectacular and, and, and with, uh, with great fanfare and excitement, and then the second type of self-surrender, which is quiet and unassuming and under the cover, is the same difference between Pesach and Shavuos. Pesach and Shavuos. Everybody knows Pesach. You know why everyone knows, knows Pesach? I'm saying even Jews who are not particularly religious, they, they, they know Pesach. They, they, they even have some type of a Seder. Okay, maybe they don't wait until sundown to eat the matzah, but they, Pesach they know. Right? You go to any grocery store, talking about a regular non-kosher grocery store in any regular suburban community. And if there's a Jewish population at all, then a few weeks before Passover, there's already a Passover section. Pesach is popular. I mean, for crying out loud, if you go to Universal Studios in L.A. and you go on the rides, they have a Kriyas Yamsuf ride. Right? And Meshach Rabbeinu looks like Charlton Heston, Lahavdil, and they have the, right, because from the Ten Commandments, the Cecil B. DeMille movie, they have the splitting of the sea. I mean, Pesach, Passover, Exodus is, is spectacular. And everybody knows about Pesach. You ask your, I mean, you have to go outside maybe of the five towns, but go find somebody who's not so religious and you ask them about Shavuos. Shavuos is a very obscure holiday. It's not so well known. It's, it's ironic because, like we were saying earlier, that we only have every other Yom Tov because we have Shavuos as a Yom Tov. And yet, who knows Shavuos? Shavuos is not so well known. Shavuos is kind of quiet. You know why? Because Pesach is the type of Mesidus Nefesh of there's this threat. You know, the Egyptians are chasing us. There's this, you know, the, this... this Intensity, and 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 we're we're we're, we're there, there's there's the firstborn are being killed all around us, and there's you know it's it's spectacular and it's it's a little bit violent and it's a and 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 we're running and that type of self sacrifice is is easy to celebrate. Then what's shvuas? Shvuas is where we agree that that for the rest of our lives we're gonna live according to God's rules. That's where we give our lives over to him. Our business, our marriage, 
the way we relate to our children, what we eat. I mean, it gets really mundane. Not so celebrated. So if, if Pesach is like the warrior who gives his life in a, in a, in a, in a spectacle, then what's Shavuos? Shavuos is like the mother. The mother who gets up in the middle of the night and takes care of her child multiple times a night, hundreds of times, thousands of times in, 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 throughout the, the infancy of the child, and nobody knows about it, and nobody talks about it, and there's no statue in any park built to any mother because she got up thousands of times, night after night after night after night. Basically, what I'm telling you is, just like masculine courage and heroism is celebrated, and feminine heroism is sort of overlooked, it's the same paradigm. That's why I think it's interesting. There was Golda Meir, who was a woman, who said to these young people, you're willing to come die with us. You're not willing to stay and live with us. Pesach is sort of that masculine energy, and that's why people get excited about it. It's action. And Shavuos is sort of feminine. It's like making this quiet commitment. You're writing this blank check to be there day or night, no matter what, for the rest of your life. It's a lot less celebrated. It gets a lot less attention or excitement Another way of describing this, this difference, there are symbols. There are two symbols that represent Pesach and Shavuos, respectively. One of the symbols of Pesach is blood. Right? The blood of circumcision, the blood of the Korban Pesach. The, that blood, that same blood that was placed on the doorposts so that God would pass over the Jewish homes. Pesach is associated with blood. Even at the Seder, at one point, the wine in our cup symbolizes blood. We pour out the, 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 the ten plagues. So Pesach is a blood symbolism. And blood is that Mesidus Nefesh of dying for a cause. If Pesach is blood, then what's Shavuos? Milk. Milk. Shavuos is milk. I mean, there's many reasons why milk is connected to Shavuos. You know, one, one of the explanations is that Cholov is the gematria of 40, Moses' is 40 days on, on Mount Sinai. Um, but on, on, a, on a deeper level, it's the juxtaposition or the contrast between blood and milk. Blood is sacrifice when you die for something. Milk 
is sacrifice. You know, when a mother gets up every night, many times a night, night after night, to take care of the child and give that child life by nursing that child, that's also self-sacrifice. But it's not as celebrated. It's not as spectacular, or at least, unfortunately, our reaction to it is that it's not as spectacular as the first kind of self-sacrifice. We get excited about the spectacle, and we overlook the quiet, unassuming commitment. So the warrior gets all the press, and the mother, you know, mothers hardly get recognized. Now, I'm saying this literally, mothers hardly get recognized, but I also mean in our own relationship with Hashem, in our own Jewish identity, Blood gets a lot more attention than milk. What do I mean by blood and milk? You want to talk to Jews about Judaism. What sells? Sorry to speak so crassly, but what gets people's attention? Blood. Okay, so if we talk about Holocaust education... That gets people's attention. But let's say I want to get a bunch of Jewish children together and teach them how to make brachas on food. Gets a lot less attention. Not denigrating the importance of remembering those who gave their lives as Jews. What I'm saying is it's funny, not funny haha. But strange that the same people who get excited about celebrating martyrdom where Jews gave up their lives and had to die as Jews have a hard time getting excited about Jews living as Jews, teaching children how to make brachas on food. Eh, that's not spectacular. That's not, that's not exciting. Or I'll give you another example. You talk to people about the security of Jewish people in the Jewish homeland, in the land of Israel. If you talk to people about a threat to Israel, there are many Jews who will get very, very serious about that. That means something to them. That means a lot to them. If you tell them there's a cause, and the cause is to support security of Jewish people, and they get very, very, very inspired, as they should, as they should. There's a place for it. But the very same people, you tell them, um, we're raising money for, uh, for a mikvah so that we can promote the purity of, of the Jewish marriage. Come on. You're going to bother me with your rituals. Now you're boring me. It's human nature. It's human nature that we get excited about the life and death intensity, the Pesach paradigm, the blood. And we're unimpressed with the quiet commitment, the mother, the shvuas, the milk. It's just human nature. 
I, I, I had a, a grandfather. My, uh, my grandfather, Oliver Shalom, was, uh, he, he was a business owner. He was a lawyer, but he was also a business owner. And uh, actually, the story of, he passed the bar in 1929 when he was 20 years old. He was uh, the first one from my family who was born in America. And he was 20 years old, and in 1929, he graduated from law school at 20 years old. And then he couldn't take the bar because he had to be 21. And his first case was that he sued the state of Illinois for permission to take the bar before he was 21, and he won. So, and then he was a business owner, and over his lifetime, he gave away millions of dollars. Now, I want you to understand something. He was not a wealthy man by, by, by any stretch. We, we would... Most people consider him middle class. But he gave away a lot of money. That was just how he lived. And he never considered it to be anything particularly special. That's just how he lived. He gave away money. I mean, that's, that's how he saw it. He saw, he saw it as, like, we don't call it charity. We call it tzedakah. Why? Because tzedakah means justice. Just the right thing to do. So he gave away a lot of money. I want to tell you, he told me one time, sometimes in the summer... I would go work in the storeroom at his, at his company. I would work in the, there was a factory there, and I'd work in the storeroom, and I would do inventory, or I would schlep boxes. And then uh, during breaks, I would hang out with him. So I remember one time he told me a story. And it's interesting, because I heard the same story, but a totally different version of it, um, years later from, from a fundraiser. Now, for, I'm going to tell you the way the fundraiser told it to me, and then I'm going to tell you the way my grandfather told it to me. Because I want you to hear first the way that's not so great, and then I want to tell you the way that I think is, is, is really great. I want to leave you with the, you know, with the best for last. Um, this fundraiser told me that sometimes when he's fundraising and he's trying to squeeze somebody for a little bit more of a commitment, so he, he has this parable. He says that one time a, uh, a chicken and a pig were walking down the street and they saw a sign at a restaurant that said ham and eggs. So they, 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 they were looking at each other, well, ham and eggs, wow, that's talking about us. And the pig says to the chicken, um, no, because for you, you'll only be a contributor. But for me, I'm making a commitment. Okay, that's how the fundraiser told me the joke. Like, somebody's giving like a chicken means, yeah, he gives a little bit here, it's just contributing. Someone gives like a pig, he was saying it in a good way, that they're, they're, they're dying for the cause. I guess that means they give so much until they go bankrupt and they can't give to anyone else. Okay, maybe that's what it meant. I told you, I don't really like the way the fundraiser told it to me. I want to tell you how my, how my Zadie Olofsson told it to me. He told me completely different. He said like this. He said, the pig and the chicken were walking down the street. They saw the sign, ham and eggs. Oh, that's talking about us. And the pig bragged and said, look how fat I am. Look how much meat I give. And you, you scrawny little chicken, what do you, what do, what do you, what do you have? How much meat do you have on your bones? And uh, the chicken says to the pig, no, it's the opposite. Every single day of my life, I give an egg. You're only good to someone when you're dead. 
I give an egg every day. And then at the end of my life, they eat me as well. That's how my Zaidi told the story. Now, it's not as cute. It doesn't have a punchline like the version that the fundraiser told it. But I'm telling you, that version of the story, it's how he lived as well. That every single day of his life, whatever he had, he gave it away. And then in the end, whatever he had left, he gave that away as well. We don't have to wait until it's do or die. We don't have to wait until the the fireworks of some type of, of crisis occur in our lives in order to feel like being Jewish. It would be Quite a pity if the, the, the most Jewish display of our lives would be the last moment of our lives. And that everything up until then would be uneventful Jewishly. It would be a tragedy. On Shavuos we made a commitment to Hashem. Of course Pesach, of course martyrdom and blood. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was first. We did that first. But then afterwards, let's grow up a little bit. Shvuas, milk. Living for something, giving your life for something. Quietly, unassumingly, day after day after day after day after day. And then at the end, when you want to give everything else away, you give that also too. Zagrebi Akiva. He was looking for martyrdom, but he didn't go out and get himself martyred. At the very end of his life, it was, it was imposed upon him. He, always, he knew it was the greatest level, but he didn't go out run out and get himself killed. It was easy in those days to get yourself killed. You just go uh, mess with a Roman. And Rabbi Kiva, in fact, lived 120 years, like Mai should have been. He lived 120 years. And didn't die until the very last day, until he was 120. And what did he do for those years? For the first 40 years, he didn't know Torah. He was a simple shepherd. Then for another 40 years, he studied. He was a student. And then the last 40 years, he taught students. He had students of his own. He gave his entire life to others. And then in the end, he also sacrificed himself. He gave it all away. But who would Rabbi Akiva be Rabbi Akiva if all he had was the one story about him on the last day of his life? Rabbi Akiva is Rabbi Akiva because everything he did until that time, how he lived as a Jew, and he lived for others, and he lived for Yiddishkeit. So it's interesting. One of the homiletical explanations of the seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuos is that it corresponds to the seven days, seven days of counting for a uh, woman before she immerses in, mikvah, in the mikvah and returns to her husband. That the Jewish people came out of Egypt and we needed a period of uh, like a, 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 a waiting time before we could purify ourselves and then be ready for the greatest revelation that ever occurred, the revelation at, at Sinai, the seven weeks corresponding to the seven days. So it's interesting. Our sages tell us, it's fascinating the, the insights that our sages had, obviously without the benefit of of medical technology. Um, but one of the, the things the sages tell us is that, um, by and large, as a rule, there, are, there can be exceptions, but 
um, a, a woman will not become pregnant while she's nursing. And, and, and the reason is, the Gemara says, because that which would be blood turns to milk. So it gets used for milk, and then it can't become blood. On a deeper level, this is talking to every one of us. Every one of us knows that push comes to shove. If, God forbid, we were put in the place that our ancestors have been put in generation after generation where they gave their lives fearlessly for, 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 for their Jewishness and for, for God. We know we could do it. We know that spiritual adrenaline rush would, would kick in and we could, we could be martyred. We could die for God. That's blood. That's blood. But that same blood, we can turn it into milk. We can turn the blood into milk. What does that mean? It means quiet, unassuming, boring sacrifice that no one's going to write about in the newspaper. You know, that you got up and you came to shul and you davened and then you went to work and you conducted yourself fairly and then you got a paycheck and you paid for your kid's tuition and you gave tzedakah. No one's going to know. No one's going to care. It's not a spectacle. But that's milk. That's living for Judaism. And that's a, a greater sacrifice. That's a more meaningful sacrifice. That's the ongoing sacrifice. Dying, you die once. Living, you live every single day of your life. That's the blank check. That's the relationship with Hashem that we pledged ourselves to a truth. And which Hashem conversely pledged himself to us. That there are no limits to it. It's not a job description. I'm giving you me, all of me. Everything I have, whatever is needed, that's a Jew. And that's what Hashem gives back to us. So, when you're eating your cheesecake, whether it's your blueberry cheesecake or your uh, chocolate uh, marble cheesecake or you just like good old-fashioned plain cheesecake, when you're eating your cheesecake this Shavuos, please have in mind that... uh, It's all about the cheesecake. It's about the milk. We should give our lives day by day, minute by minute, quietly, unassumingly to God as real Jews who live for Judaism. We should all have happy, long, healthy lives to give to Hashem every day. Thank you.